What is up, Reborn family? This is Ashley Horner here, and I am excited about the Reborn podcast today. Um, my guest is Jamie Cochran, who is a mother. She is a wife, a business leader. She is the COO of Echelon Front. Um, Jamie joined Leaf and Jocko Willink at the leadership development company in 2014 as its very first employee. Um, Since then, over a decade later, she has now been promoted as the COO um, of Echelon Front. Uh, Today, Jamie and the Echelon Front team equip some of the world's leading organizations with proven leadership solutions. You can follow her on her Instagram, Jamie Lynn Cochran, um, and you can learn more about her work at echelonfront.com. Jamie, let's get you on Reborn. Jamie, I want to welcome you to the Reborn podcast. It's so nice and definitely like an honor to have you on the Reborn podcast. Can you give the listeners just a little bit of information, who you are, what you're about? I was watching some of your videos on your social media and girl, you freaking bring the heat. It's like, you know what you're talking about when it comes to business, when it comes to leadership and just being an all around, just badass female in the industry in all aspects. So um, kind of like, like, let's set the tone a little bit. Like, like, who are you and like, what do you do? And, um, let's start from there. Yeah. Thank you for having me on here today, Ashley. You know, certainly, uh, wouldn't put myself in the realm of badass, but I've had some really incredible uh, opportunities. I work at Echelon Front. We're a leadership consultancy. And for those of you that don't know, our co-founders, Jocko Willink, Leif Babin, they wrote a book and I just happened to be in the right place, the right time eight years ago to get an opportunity to be a part of what they were building. So I started at Echelon Front as a part-time admin assistant, really kind of taking a few steps back in my career process, just trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do next on my journey. And um, it landed me here at Echelon Front. I've had the opportunity to work with Leif and Jacka this last year, uh, eight years, and recently was promoted to the position of COO here at Echelon Front. So I've had an incredible opportunity to learn from these incredible leaders at Echelon Front and now get to instruct and teach and work with our clients and helping leaders in every capacity apply what we teach and this idea of ownership and how you apply it in your life personally and professionally to create some impact there, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. So um, I would just consider myself lucky in a lot of ways, pretty, pretty blessed to be a part of this organization and and our mission here. Well, I know from my experience that luck only gets you so far. So it sounds like... um, you know, you're definitely prepared for the opportunity. What is your, what was your career like that? Like before you, you know, when you talk about like you happen to be at the right place at the right time and you know what, that was like eight years ago. So yeah, a lot of growth and, you know, being able to grow with a company from the very beginning is it's, it's huge. It, it, you know, there, there's lots of steps forward, many steps backwards, but to just be able to evolve with a company like that is really, really powerful. Um, what was your career like before you, and why, why Echelon Front? What was your relationship with Jocko? Like, how did that all come about? 
Yeah. Again, like to your point, you know, sometimes it's just being in the right place, the right time. And that's really how I got here at Echelon Front. But there's a lot of things that happened leading up to that that sort of enabled that right place, that right time. I, I graduated college. I ended up getting married pretty quickly out of college, um, unexpectedly to a naval officer um, who a month before we got married, found out he had gotten accepted to go to BUDS, which is the basic underwater SEAL demolition training to become a SEAL. Um, and so our whole world and sort of everything we had planned got, got changed upside down. We actually got married on a, a Friday afternoon and my husband started BUDS on that Monday morning. So you talk about a very quick introduction to the Navy and now being a military wife, um, was very, you know, nothing I had ever anticipated on my life's journey. And at the time, you know, I had to balance, you know, really supporting him and his endeavors, um, you know, with my own career aspirations. So I, I actually started shortly at a um, college at a hedge fund. Uh, then when they shifted, they moved back to New York, I shifted over to higher education and I worked at San Diego State University for um, several years. And I loved my job there. I loved the opportunity I had there to work with student leaders, um, heavy in event planning and programming, a lot of work on the campus side. Um, and I thought that I would just stay there and I would be in higher education working with students on that college campus forever. Um, but in true fashion, you know, my husband's deploying. We had a, a pretty crazy a start to our marriage, two kids, you know, life changes. And in support of him, when he got out of the military and went to go to business school, all of a sudden, I'm uprooting my lives again. I'm moving across country to go to school and support him in those endeavors. Um, and so I had an opportunity to take a step back and think to myself, okay, what is next? What is it that I want for myself? Um, I loved what I was doing in higher education, but working on a college campus, there's definitely some challenges there, definitely a lot of red tape. Um, and I didn't have a ton of freedom as far as how I manage my day, how I manage my time, the, the growth opportunity is, you know, you hit a ceiling in, in those jobs. And so I was really just taking those two years to think through what's next. Um, and luckily, Flynn worked and served with uh, Leif Babin at SEAL Team One. And Leif happened to be in Boston for a weekend and, and came over for dinner. And we had this great conversation over dinner about what he was doing at Echelon Front and, you know, how they were taking these combat leadership principles and, and applying them to businesses. And I was fascinated by it. And I actually, that night after dinner, I sent Leif my resume and I was like, hey, this might be forward, but if there's an opportunity at some point to, to be a part of what you're building, I'm, I'm standing by, I'm ready. And two weeks later, we, we met up with Leif and his wife in, in New York. We had brunch and we talked a little bit more about what they were doing. And it was about a month after that, he offered me a position to come on. And at the time it was Leif and Jocko. I didn't really know Jocko at all. And in fact, I didn't really talk to Jocko much in those first couple months here at Echelon Front, but it was just the three of us. Um, and again, he hired me just to you know, didn't really know what the need was going to be, wasn't a clear vision on where this company was going to go. I mean, very much startup atmosphere, um, which was awesome because it gave me a chance to figure out how to add value, figure out where I can solve problems, be a part of the growth of this from the beginning. And so um, it just, again, you know, things kind of aligned, right? There was a relationship there between my husband and Leif, um, and I had the opportunity to come on board and just you know, from there, just look for ways to add value, take things off their plate. And that's given me opportunities as we continue to grow to then hire a team and take on more responsibilities. So kind of kind of a weird way to get there, but it, it provided me ultimately what I was looking for is an opportunity to be challenged consistently, to be a part of a mission that I could really be aligned with. Mm -hmm. And the balance that I wanted and the autonomy and the freedom, given the fact that I have three kids and I want to balance that sort of work life and have a little bit more control over that. So um, it's been a really cool journey so far. Yeah. Would 
no doubt you're a hard charger. Um, I kind of want to back up a little bit and talk to the listeners. Like, what what is Echelon Front? I know what Echelon Front is. I've actually I've been a member of the community for a while, not very active right now. Um, but can you kind of like talk to the listeners about like like what is this program and like who does it serve and and who is it for exactly? Yeah, so Echelon Front, we're a leadership consultancy. So the bulk of our business is helping businesses and companies and organizations um, develop their leaders and and to to bring leaders into the knowledge of of what Leif and Jocko found and and what they wrote about in their book, Extreme Ownership, taking those combat leadership principles and applying it to leadership in the civilian world. What's really cool about our mission is that's obviously the business component of what we do, going out and working with organizations, whether that's one-time workshops or keynote events um, or more in-depth consulting where we're building long-term relationships with clients. We're helping them build out a a very specific program or building in something within their organization. Aside from that, the, the mission at Echelon Front is really and truthfully to help as many people as possible learn about the principles of extreme ownership and apply it within their life so that they can see the impact in in their own lives for sure, but the power really comes when you start to impact the people around you. Um, And so other components as a part of Echelon Front, you know, we have a lot of different things we offer. Jocko, who's our CEO, has a very successful podcast. He talks a lot about military leadership, um, historical leadership, um, and talks a lot about both personal and professional development um, as part of the podcast. And then at Echelon Front, we run, you know, leadership conferences, experiential training programs where individuals, small groups, teams can come and participate. We also have a pretty robust online um, academy platform, which it has a, a whole category of different learning modules that you can go and participate in to learn these principles and then join us live a couple times a week where we sit and talk about these principles. We apply them. We help people overcome their challenges and apply this lens of leadership to solving problems that they're facing. And so that's really what we believe, you know, at Echelon Front, we believe that everyone's a leader. Um, you know, leadership is in every capacity at home, you know, with your family, for sure. I mean, I consider my role as a mother to be my greatest leadership responsibility, um, leadership in business and your communities. And then we also believe that all the problems you face in your life, business and life, they're leadership problems. And the cool mm-hmm. part is that we have tools and tactics that can help people apply these leadership tactics to solving those problems. So um, it's just an incredible mission to be a part of. So it, it seems like Echelon Front has a, like a huge military, I guess, type of curriculum, right? Just kind of like the foundations, at least like with, with Jocko. Um, like how does that kind of translate over into the civilian world? Because out, I know outside of like, you know, the, using kind of like the same guidelines that the team has earned and, and that has learned throughout their years of their military career, they're taking those experiences and the knowledge and the knowledge that they that they've gathered um, over that time, and they've been able to apply it, not just so people in the military can truly understand, but they they've been able to lay it out and um, this curriculum to where the um, civilians can understand this as well. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Why is there outside of like the huge uh, military type following that? Um, normal civilians and business leaders and CEOs can also uh, see uh, the resemblance? Yeah, it's a great question. And I actually think it's it's a barrier we have to approach regularly mm-hmm. when we have people that feel like, hey, this is combat leadership. I don't really know how this is going to help me solve my yeah. problems. Um, 
And, you know, the way that I've think about it, and, and listen, my perspective is very different. I didn't serve in combat. Right. Um, you know, my, my knowledge of, of coming, you know, to learn these principles is very different than those that served in combat and saw these, these principles play out in the battlefield. Um, and for me, when I look at the principles, nothing that we teach is new, like nothing mm-hmm. is new or mm-hmm. monumental. There's not this big idea that like we coined or that Leif and Jocko came up with on their own. You know, we, we all know what good leadership looks like. We've either seen it in the really good leaders that we've had within our lives, or we've seen it in the really bad leaders. And like the, the examples we've had where we say, Hey, I don't want to be like that, or that's not good leadership. These principles we talk about are not new. Um, we're talking about teamwork, building relationships, communicating effectively, delegating tasks, you know prioritizing the mission, all these different components, those are all part of good leadership. I think what Leif and Jocko have done really well is they've taken these combat leadership principles and they've distilled it down to a structure and a very simplified way to think through leadership in what we call the laws of combat and the mindsets for victory that resonate with people. So you have people that have never served in combat that are hearing these terms, you know, cover and move, it's the first law of combat, and initially aren't necessarily seeing how that plays out in their life because cover and move is fundamentally a gunfighting tactic. But again, I didn't serve in combat. I don't know what that looks like. I can conceptualize it. We've all seen the movies, you know, the guy yelling, hey, cover me. But, um, you know, as soon as you still distill down that what cover move is, it's building relationships, breaking down silos, working together to mutually accomplish a mission, you start to see how this plays out in your life. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing I've come to learn um, is that If these principles work in combat in the harshest of environments, they can certainly help me deal with my 13-year-old or my colleagues or lead up the chain to my leadership. So I think as soon as people take down this initial shroud of this is combat, they can get past that and see that the structure and format for how we teach this is really valuable for helping people solve problems. Um, You know, it's it's been really cool to see that. You know, my perspective is I've learned these principles um, coming in here fresh and not necessarily having this background that, that Leif and Jocko and our my coworkers have. Uh, but with the leaders that we see all the time, you know, we most of the people we're working with have never had any sort of combat experience. And yet they're applying these principles and doing incredible things within their careers and within their homes. So um, I think you just have to get past that initial hurdle of this is combat. How does this apply to me? Yeah, I, I remember um, one of the first times I was listening to one of Jocko's podcasts and I was like, dude, because, you know, it was just kind of like I remember somebody like recommended, you know, Jocko to me about like leadership and you know, the businesses that I have. And I remember whenever I listened to him for the first time, I was like, Whoa, like, I don't even know what this man is talking <laughs> about. You know, uh, I know basic lingo, but, you know, but it, it's it's very interesting. And those of you who are listening to this podcast, if you have not listened to one of Jocko's podcasts, um, he typically starts out with some sort of mil- uh, military reference, but it all has a, like, uh, comes around full circle and what he is saying and how he is teaching you. It's, it's very applicable to the things that you have in your life. And it doesn't have to be just running a business. These are like, if you want to have a, a better mindset, uh, mental fortitude, if you want to learn how to set the disciplines in your life or change the systems to be, um, a better person. Uh, he gives you the tools for that. Um, I want to ask you what, like in kind of like your perspective, um, what are some practical tips that you can give listeners, uh, that they can start applying to their life when it comes to extreme ownership? Yeah. A couple things that, you know, Everything we teach has some practical application component, something you can start doing. 
obviously the foundation of everything is this idea of ownership, which really requires people to check their ego and to recognize that when they're faced with challenges and problems in their life, they are responsible. It's their fault. And that is a really hard thing to get over. You know, if I tell my team to do something and they don't deliver on that, it's tough for a leader to say, well, that's on me. But the power, what ownership gives us is this control then to solve those problems. Because if I say, hey, listen, my team didn't deliver and I look inward and say, okay, I didn't communicate properly. I clearly didn't ensure that we had alignment on the plan. I didn't give them the support that they needed. I didn't follow up and make sure that they understood the deadline and that we were tracking to meet those deadlines. Whatever it might be, you start asking these earnest questions of yourself and pulling that thread. And, you know, initially for people, there's a lot of hesitancy in like, oh, taking ownership, that's a lot. But as soon as you start doing it, you start to recognize that you actually have control over ensuring that these things don't happen again. You have control over actually solving those problems. So a practical thing I tell people all the time is just start to cultivate this mindset of ownership with every problem that comes to you, every challenge, think to yourself. And if you have to ask yourself like, hey, how can I make this my fault? Ask that question and really get yourself to start thinking through how can I take ownership of this? Whether it's ownership of how we got here whether it's ownership of, hey, this is out of my control, you know, how do I control this thing? But I can take ownership of the outcome, what I do next, ownership of my ego, my attitude, my mindset, all these different things. Ownership can help us in solving those problems. And, you know, taking ownership in the really big moments is, is important. But in order to be able to do that, we have to take ownership in the everyday interactions we're having with people. I mean, even to the fact of like, Hey, my kids are late to school. Yeah. I can be frustrated. My middle kid can never find his shoes, but ultimately that's on me. That's my responsibility as a leader. And the power in that is that there are things I can do to now solve that and help him and ensure that that doesn't happen again. And it's a simple example of like, you're getting your kids out the door. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, if you start applying that mindset to everything, you start to actually see that you have control over what happens around you. And, you know, for me, I, I want to be in control of my problems. I want to be in control of my life. Um, and if I'm not willing to take ownership of it, somebody else is going to be solving those problems for me. So I think the practical part is really to start with that foundation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things you can start doing. You know, if we're talking to a client, there's some practical things we talk about incorporating within their culture that can help a, a team grow and, and change that culture, that mindset. But it all starts and, and is anchored towards this initial idea of ownership. And you have to get that right first for everything else to come into to play. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I think um, building a strong core leadership value within yourself and looking inward, that's really, really hard because we're programmed like when something goes wrong to be like, that's your fault, Jamie. That's your fault. That's your fault. And, you know, um, it's, you know, it's the same, like with, uh, like with my husband, it's like, whenever we get into arguments, I like to be like, you know, stand across the kitchen and be like, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this. And then, but it, you know, it's the same thing and it's applied the same way. Like you have to look inward and, and see like, how, how could you have fixed the problem and start taking ownership for that? Yeah. And what that is just not to cut you off, Ashley, but what that is, is that's your ego. That's like what we talk about. Mm. What keeps you from taking ownership? The biggest barrier you have to to face when you're trying to cultivate this mindset is your ego because Mm -hmm. your ego loves you so much. And your ego is going to tell you you're right. And your ego is going to convince you to, you know, make sure the other person understands they're wrong. I mean, that's what gets in the way all the time. So if you're struggling to take ownership, the really hard part is actually looking inward and saying, mm-hmm. hey, is this my ego at play? Do I have friction with this person? Because 
I'm incapable of checking my ego. So, mm-hmm. you know, that ego part is, is a constant challenge. I mean, ego is a good thing. I mean, you're, you're a competitor, you're, you know, disciplined, you have this, that ego drives you for sure. That's a component of that, but you have to know how to subordinate it and check it mm-hmm. in the right moment so that you're not getting in your ability away of your ability to take ownership of things. So mm-hmm. love, love that comment on that. Yeah. I, I want to uh, kind of talk about, um, I see you travel. Do you do the speaking stuff with Echelon Front as well? Um, yeah. Do you? you? Do you get on stage and you do some of the speaking? I do. Yeah, you, you know, it was like two, it was uh, right before COVID, we did an event in Australia, our first mm. our first and only international event. I'm so jealous. That's like one of the countries that I haven't been to and I want to go there and like dive the Great Barrier Reef and like all the animals and all of that. It was pretty incredible. And it was really cool to do our first muster there, which is our, a conference that we host. And um, hopefully when we get through COVID, we can go back because we have some other um, countries we'd like to go visit. Uh, but it was at that event, we took a, a smaller team and, and Jocko and Leif had sort of brought up this idea of me speaking at that event. And I initially was like, there's there's no way. Like, what, what value can I add to this message of what we teach when I'm standing along my peers who are seasoned combat veterans um, and what I started to realize, and, and actually it was Leif who told me, Hey, listen, most of the people that are coming to these, if not all, like, you know, 95% of these people are not seasoned combat veterans. So my perspective is different because I can provide the perspective of, you know, the average person learning these principles and applying them within their world, you know, not having that background. So that was the first big event I ever spoke at, uh, right in, in 2019. Um, and it's been really cool to sort of get out of my comfort zone and, and do that a little bit more in the past couple of years. How was that? Was, was it mainly like a, a male dominated event? I want to know like how that was like as a female, even being, you know, around like Jocko and Leif, like how was that? And just kind of like coming up in your career. I mean, you just kind of put yourself out there with them being like, Hey, like, I love the vision of this company. I mean, this was eight years ago. You're like, I don't know how I can fit or how I can help, but most importantly, I believe in your message and I believe in the direction that you're going. So how has that been for you as a female and then growing with the company to now getting on stage and actively like putting yourself out there. I mean, it's very, very vulnerable for you. And, uh, I I know my scariest moments like that I've had to, it, it does anywhere that I've been intimidated. It's like, you have to kind of talk yourself up, like in your mind being like, you know, I got this, like you got to own it and you got to fake it till you make it sort of mindset. But how was that for you? Just kind of like your journey over the last eight years to like then getting on stage yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it, it was hard. It was tough. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up, you know, I played sports and I, I was a musician. So I had performed and sang in front of very large crowds. Like I had sort of that initial um, experience and background, but see, speaking on stage is a very, very different thing. And so, you know, people would say like, oh, you sang on, you know, in front of big crowds all the time. It's no big, no big deal. And I'm like, no, no, no. I could get up and sing a song any day, getting up and speaking and telling a story um, is a very different thing when you're having to capture a crowd and keep them engaged. Um, and so I, I went into that initial muster, just, I practiced and practiced and practiced. I think my parents who, who lived next door, uh, to us at the time, they probably heard that brief, you know, 20 different times. Every member of my team, you know, sat with me and let me practice and rehearse. So it was just a lot of preparation. And I actually think that's a really good example of my career. And so how, how I've approached everything in my world is just that 
you got to work hard. You got to, you got to perform. And so even here at Echelon Front, when I came on board, I had a vision for what I could do here and the value I could bring. But I knew that I had to have the patience to recognize that I had to earn it. I had to show that value. I had to, you know, perform and execute on the things that I said I was going to do. Um, and, and over time, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit and saying I was really lucky growing up because my parents both worked very hard jobs, you know, blue collar, just good working people. I mean, never called in sick, never, you know, never was late. I think my dad had a perfect attendance record at the company he was at before he retired for 25 years, a perfect attendance record. So you want to talk about really instilling in me at a very early age, the two things I learned growing up were work ethic and honesty. You know, everything in our household was around work ethic and being honest. Um, and so that really helped me later in my career because I recognized that, hey, if I want to prove that my value here at Echelon Front or, or on campus or in any of the different endeavors that I've taken on, I have to earn it. I have to work hard. I have to show up. I have to be on time. And I have to work harder than other people because I'm not the smartest in the room. I'm not the most talented. I'm not the toughest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not any of these things. I'm just a normal person. But I can I can outwork you. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to I'm going to get this this job done. And so um, that has really helped me. And and what it did here at Echelon Front because it was just me and Leif and Jocko for the first year. Then we started hiring people and bringing people on. And you know you would I guess consider us a male dominated field. I mean all of our instructors are male um, except for me and and one other uh, individual at our organization. A lot of our support and a lot of the people that run the business are actually some pretty badass women that I get to work with. Um, But it's, you know, when I think about my time with Leif and Jocko, it was truly working hard, taking ownership when I made mistakes. And as I did that, I started to build trust. And Jocko is a a really unique person because people see him on the podcast. They see him on social. They see his persona. And it's easy to think people in those public figures are like one way to the public and one way behind the scenes. And that is just so far from the truth with Jocko. He is exactly the person you see. He is fully authentic, fully sincere. And so when he talks about really implementing what we call decentralized command and empowering others to lead, he does that. When he talks about being detached from emotions, he does that. He's never once been emotional with me, been frustrated, shown any sort of, you know, raises voice, nothing like that in eight years. Um, you know, he doesn't even step in and like, tell me what to do. He's never said, Hey, actually, Jamie, we're going to do it this way. He just asks questions. Hey, well, why do you think we should do it today? Do you think there's a risk in this component? So I get this example through them constantly. And over time through performing, through working hard, I've been able to build trust. And to the point now where you know, the team jokes that I have more leadership capital with Jocko than anyone else on the team. So if they need something, they call me like, hey, Jamie, can you help me with this? Um, And I think that that plays for anybody. If you're feeling frustrated in your, you know, in your, you know, work or whatever you're doing, you know, are you, are you really putting in the work? Are you earning that trust? And and for me, that's what's been key in working in, you know, a male dominated field or speaking in front of, you know, our crowds are typically 85% male. Um, we're working to change that. We have a new program for women and we have a really robust uh, community of women in leadership that we're building. And, and it's incredible to see them come on board and learn these principles. But, um, you know, it, it is a male dominated field at this point. And uh, I get the opportunity to impact them through building trust and just just working, working hard. 
I, I love that. Your your story, that capture, reminded me of an interview that I did with, uh, she's a police officer. She Her Instagram's Kennedy Cop Fitness. So I did some of the tactical games with her, but she really wanted to be on the SWAT team. That was like her goal. Male dominated. There had never been another guy that um, had been on the SWAT team, or there had never been another female that had been on the SWAT team, all guys. And she, she worked for that. And, you know, through like going through the program, she never asked for anything to be easier. And she's like, you know, she told the guy, she's like, it doesn't, it it doesn't matter if I sit here and I struggle for an hour, like I'm going to get it done. Even if it takes me a lot longer than you, I'm going to just keep working twice as hard and I'm going to get it done. And so those are two really good examples that like, if you guys really want something in life, you have to be willing to step up and to go the extra mile. Like what is the future of Echelon Front? And like, what, what's kind of in the pipeline? Is there anything that you can, that you can share? Yeah, we've grown rapidly and Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been, you know, what's interesting is the last two years, you know, with COVID, we had to, we had to very quickly adjust and and maneuver because up until COVID, 90% of the work that we did was on-site in-person training with our clients, Mm -hmm. in-person events with our clients. And so we had to very quickly realize, okay, we've got to adapt. We've got to adjust. Um, And we surprisingly, in the last two years, we've tripled our team and we've grown Mm -hmm. significantly. Um, and what it's allowed us to do um, is it's allowed us to reevaluate how do we actually accomplish our mission. I said earlier, our mission is to help as many people as possible learn these principles. And yeah, we can do that through the book. We, we can do that through the podcast, but there's more that we can offer. And so we, we transitioned to virtual training, which has been a really cool exercise for us because now we can scale what we previously were doing because we have a limited number of instructors. So there was always issues with the capacity when we're traveling and flying. So when you take that out, we can do more. Um, The other component is that we have a lot of clients that we're working with in person, and it allows us to have a bigger impact because we can follow up with virtual training and follow-up sessions and debriefs. Um, So we can can serve the clients we currently have more effectively and have a bigger impact with them. And then as far as the future of Echelon Front, what we've realized is we have to figure out a way to scale and create a cost-effective way for leaders to engage in the content material we have so that they can learn these principles. And what what was born out of that is what we call the um, Extreme Ownership Academy. And it's an online learning platform. And what we're trying to do now is bridge that gap for people that that see this academy at this online platform and maybe don't feel like they're a leader. Like, I'm not a traditional leader of people, so I don't think this is for me. But if you get in there, you'll realize there is so much value in here for leaders yeah. in any in any role that you might be, whether you're just a frontline you know, employee managing themselves or piece of mission. We have high school kids going on here and taking these courses. And the really cool part about this is that it allows us to better accomplish our mission because we can get as many people in that platform. We can keep it cost effective. And what people don't realize is that you know, you can do the online courses at your own paces. There's all, all sorts of material in there. But three times a week, we're doing live Zoom sessions like mm-hmm. this. Jock is joining at least one of those. Lace running them. You know, we filter through other instructors. And you get a 20-minute message. And then we just open it up for like an open Q&A. Mm-hmm. So you get people that are like, hey, here's the problem I'm dealing with at work. And we help them solve it right there with the help of the other people on this call. Um, and so people, we, we've done a poor job, to be honest, of helping people realize the access you get to to our mm-hmm. team through joining this, but that's really the future for us because 
you know, we, we can only bring in so many instructors. Uh, we can only get on so many flights, do so many in-person engagements before um, we're going to reach sort of capacity. So we've got to figure out a way to do that on a broad scale. And the academy gives us that option. So that's really the next the next phase of our growth. Yeah. And I believe in the beginning, I said, I, I think it's the Extreme Ownership Academy that is it is it like the it is with the weekly calls and stuff? Yep. And not the echelon front, but it's kind of all encompassing, right? It's kind of like all the, yeah. then there's like, you know, different little avenues of, of things that you can get for like leadership development. Yeah. The Academy is open to individuals for sure. Mm-hmm. Like people that maybe aren't getting leadership training within their companies and they, they want access to it. And then we have a lot of companies that we're, we're engaging in a consulting, you know, relationship and they're putting people through the academy as well as like a way to, you know, further their development. So it's it's meant for really, as I said before, leaders in every capacity. Um, and it's been cool to see, you know, to continue to build that out. But it's all a part of the echelon front umbrella. Something that's been interesting over the last several years is really seeing a lot of um, just female hard chargers, even like yourself, kind of come up and what, um, you know, whenever I look for like guidance or mentorship, which is actually something that I have missed out of my career for the last like four or five years, it, ha- it hasn't been since like 2019, 2020 was the first time that I ever, ever like got any sort of like business guidance, like started listening to podcasts up until then. I mean, I was just kind of running business and creating things just through like passion, heart and hustle, which can actually only get you so far. You know, it gets to a point where you really got to start, like you said, working on yourself, like building your systems and your processes. And um, like, can you talk a little bit about um, kind of like the female dynamic here of, uh, is that something in like kind of like a category that you see the, the company kind of moving towards of like having just um, like a, a business or a mentor guide and leadership specifically for females. And I mean, I'd like to kind of counter that question. Does it even really matter? Like, it, you know, I, sometimes I want to say like, I want to be a good businesswoman. I, my goal is to be like the best businesswoman. But at the end of the day, I had to come back and check myself. I was like, I just want to be a good business person. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Um, but at the same time, I see these, these females who are just like crushing it in business. And like Emily Frazella, who is the CEO of Paper and Plan Company, one of my good friends, she uh, is having a business, uh, a women in business coaching a seminar, it sells out like that. And hundreds of participants, I'm going to go out there again uh, this June, I believe, and, and speak at that event. But I really, I really see that there's, there's a niche here. Can you speak on that a little bit? And if you even think that it's important, I mean, I think that like the, the rules and the systems and, you know, leadership, it really shouldn't matter if you're male or female, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is this evolving into? Yeah, you know what? It, it's a it's an awesome question, and and we've been dealing a lot with this, and I've been thinking a lot about this in the mm-hmm. past two years um, as I've grown in my leadership capabilities, and and how do I impact and help other specifically women mm-hmm. in those in those different you know arenas understand their value and how to apply what we teach and to you know to create value within their own worlds as well. What's interesting is that it was a couple of years ago we were at we were at this muster that we host this this event that we host, and I was talking to Jocko about this. 
Um, and I, I said something to the effect of, to him of like, Hey, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe we do something specific for women. And his, his response initially in this conversation was like, Hey, listen, the, the leadership principles apply male, female, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. These same principles apply. And I went, I went, I went to my room that night and I was just kind of thinking about it. And if I'm being honest, I was a little frustrated because I thought like my initial reaction, that ego was like, no, you know what? Jocko just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand because my husband was deployed and training all the time while we had our two boys. Then he became a consultant. So he was on the road Monday through Friday. And Jocko doesn't understand what it's like to be a woman in business, trying to run a business, trying to, you know, manage this work-life you know, balance, you know, take, I, I have the added responsibility, not only to my team here at Ashland Pratt of doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and clothes for my kids and groceries and food and meals and lunches and all these other things. And my initial sense was he just doesn't get it. And then I woke up the next morning and we went to this conference and I'm hearing this, this content that I've heard for, you know, dozens and dozens of times before. And it dawned on me that he was absolutely right. And what he was saying when he responded that way, wasn't that things are, are the same as far as like our experiences. What he was saying is that the way we solve those problems, the way that we manage those challenges is the same. The principles that we apply is the same male or female. Um, but I do recognize that I think women have different leadership challenges that they're facing. The answers to those 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 challenges are the, are exactly what we teach at Echelon Front. However, I did you know it was two years ago, and we actually had an intern at the time. Her name was a D, um, and she incredibly brilliant young lady, and she had this idea to create what we call the Women's Assembly because she felt this really um, you know strong sense that we need to help other women learn these principles. That there's obviously a disconnect when we have 85% of our attendees at events are men. There's a disconnect between women feeling like this content is for them. So, you know, I said, cool, let's run with it. And she, she started up this women's assembly. We started doing monthly calls. I ran the first couple and then we started bringing in special guests, other women in leadership to come and talk about their experiences and different components of what we teach. Um, and it's been so cool to be a part of this community that's, you know, we have some men that join and listen in and that's awesome. It's open to everyone, but we really focus on leadership at home, leadership in business, specific to women, specific to the challenges and, and, and differences that they're facing in their, in their you know, business and, and lives. So um, that's been really cool. It's now been going for almost two years. Uh, we have about 3,000 women that are a part of this network. We get anywhere from two to 400 that join us on those monthly calls. And if you can't join live, then you get the video the next day. So what what is this? What is this called again? Because I want to check it out. It's called the Echelon Front Women's Assembly. And oh, in fact, so, okay. you know what, what we'll have to do, Ashley, okay. is have you come on and be a guest and, and share your story. Because it's a really cool environment of just women who are just trying to get better, trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do it once a month. Uh, it's free. You sign up. If you can't join, you get the video. And it's just a really cool way to teach these principles and help them connect to women in different capacities. That that's awesome. I know that was such a loaded question because I mean, I, I believe like it, it, it is true, like, you know, business systems, like processes, you know, for the longest time I would have cooks in my kitchen who were male and it was like, you know, after they got in there, they just started kind of like undermining me because they didn't want to listen to a female. Again, I had to check with myself and be like, well, am I setting the right expectations, the right processes? And um, so, you know, I can see how like, you know, it's it's something that is 
continuing to evolve with women in business. And, but at the same time, like I look at people like Emily Frisella, like you and some of these other women who are just like in the game and like bringing it. And there is something different about females in business compared to the male in business. But at the end of the day, it's all the same for the most part. Um, how do you balance all of this being a mom? And you guys have three kids. I have three kids. Yeah. My husband's you know. like, you know, <laughs> and all the businesses. And um, I just kind of want to know, like from one working mother to another, um, like what, it, like, how is that for you? Yeah. I, I think there's two things that I think about when it comes to, cause I get this question a lot, you know, how yeah, do you balance? I do too. And, I do too. And, so yeah. I get to ask the question. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I think, and you'll probably resonate with this for me. Um, you know, there's two things that kind of ring true in my life. First of all, like I'm always looking for the next challenge. I'm never really satisfied with what I'm doing. I'm always looking for how I can improve, looking for the next challenge. And as a result, I think growing up, you know, I, I had my hand in a million different things. My poor parents, like they, they I had, I, I did a million things. And, you know, it's that old saying, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And that was me. Like I was good at a lot of things. I was, I'm never the best. I'm never the expert. I'm never going to be, you know, the, the tip top in any of these arenas. But I think it gave me a lot of um, insight in sort of helping me to understand my ability to solve problems. I have a lot of different skill sets. So I may not be the best, but I've got little pieces here and there that I can piece together to create something. Um, so I'm always looking for the challenge, but what I've had to figure out as I've, as I've matured, I guess, is, is understanding patience, you know, and I, and something I recently started, it was about three years ago, I started training jujitsu and I love it. I love jujitsu. It is, it is so mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting. There is just something so amazing about it. There's a sense of confidence that comes from training that really just, I love it. It is mine. It is a separate from my kids, separate from my job, separate from my husband. It is something for me. Um, but I also have a job and a career and I have kids and I have family and I have all these different things. And so I've had to really understand patience in that, Hey, I love this, but that doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm never going to be able to put all the effort and time I want to get better at this one thing. So I need to just be okay with the fact that I'm making progress. And that is that, that's that patience component. And then the other thing I think is just understanding that, you know, trying to find balance in your life doesn't mean you're ever going to find the balance. I don't think I'm ever balanced. I'm always off balance, but I'm always working to get to the other side. So, so there are you know, times. You know what, Jamie? Yeah. That's like the exact same answer that I that I say. Like there's really no it's set true. balance. You kind of just got to roll with the punches. You have to set your priorities, know when to adjust when you have to adjust. And like you just got to kind of roll with it. Like that's, you know, being a female, being a mother, a wife, like you're multifaceted. That's what you do. That is what we are good at. Um, well, and I think to your point, like that's, that's the patience part is, is being patient with knowing that I'm never going to be balanced. And so when I put all my eggs in work and I've got like big projects or, you know, a muster, it takes a week out of my entire month. We got to be on site. I am present in the muster. I'm really not even thinking about my kids for that week. But when I come back, I got to shift back. I got to get back into a, a little bit better semblance of, 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 of balance there. I got to take them on a special little trip or take them for a day, whatever it might be. It's just getting comfortable with the understanding that you're never going to be balanced. And the only goal is that you're working constantly to shift back and forth between that for me. That's what's given me a little bit more of, of that patience I'm looking for when 
when I had that urge to say like, I just want this now. I just want to do this now. So um, to your point, it, it's it, for women in business that have children, it is a constant struggle. It is. It is. Um, so what is a, you know, congratulations since you are recently the, you got promoted to COO. So what is the, what is the next like chapter of, of that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, it's been a really cool year of growth for me because I was uh, I was um, promoted to COO in March of last year um, or May of last year. We were at an event and Jocko made the announcement in front of the team, and it was it was it, honestly one of the the honors of my life to to have that kind of trust from Leif and Jocko to to step into this role. Um, and for me, what that looks like and what I been doing is I'm learning to let go a little bit. You know, in a startup organization, you got to do it all. When it when it was just me, I had to do it all. Marketing, finance, you know, you know that <laughs> when you start a business, you are the only person doing it. So every little component, whether it was menial tasks like booking travel to financial things and making sure that invoicing was set up and that we're you know tracking money, all those different things to run a business, I handled on my own. Um, and I love that because it gave me a lot of skill sets and taught me a lot and gave me a lot of experience in those things. But as I've grown and we've hired people on the team, I've had to learn how to say, how to let go and to trust in my team because I do trust them. We have an incredible group of people I get to work with. And so it's it's letting go of those pieces and letting people own it and run with it and really, you know, take charge of those things. Um, that's been the biggest challenge for me. And I think the next phase of that is, is doing that even more, looking for better ways to support the team. I think for me, I'm always looking at the team component. You know, if we're going to succeed as an organization, we're going to do it as a team. So I see my role as COO is how do I take care of the team? How do I take care of them and ensure that they're getting what they need? Um and then just getting out of their way and letting them go and run it and own it. So yeah. uh, that's really the next part of my growth. And, and I'm working towards that. We just hired, um, we just put someone in a role last year uh, in sales. And that was, that was, that was the last thing that I really controlled is yeah. our client engagement. And I am now officially out of that. So mm -hmm. it's giving me a little more space to look up and out and see yeah. how I can better support everyone. That, that's really tough. Um, I, I'm very similar to you. Like I like to do all the things I can do them all. I can work in the kitchen. I can make a, you know, at the coffee shop here, I can make a latte. Like, is it going to be like as good as everybody else's? Probably not, but like I can do it. And, uh, it, like being able to like, let go and to trust your team and to hire the people who are better at that craft specifically, uh, than you are. Um, it's, it's a lot because I, you know, all of my businesses have all been startups and, um, kind of like growing with everybody along the way. It's really, really hard to let go. But, you know, what I have learned is I need to capitalize on, on what I am good at and I need to know what I am good at. And then that is what I have to focus on. Yeah. Jocko recently said, and I think this will resonate with you because as soon as he said it, I'm like, yes, that's it. And he said, you know, I, he said this in one of our, like our executive team meeting. And he was like, I need to do only the things that only I can do. And it's true. There are things that only Jocko Willing can do. And if we can set him up in a position where he can just do those things, that's going to really provide a ton of growth and, and support to our team. And so I'm starting to think through that too. Like, what are the things that only I can do and everything else I've got people 
that I trust and who I can train and who I can get to that point to do those things. And not to say that I'm just sloughing off the things I don't like to do. That's not it at all. But for their growth, for their improvement, to see them grow, you know, I'm, I need to give them those opportunities. And if I'm holding too tightly onto it, I'm taking away their opportunity to try something new and to feel like they can add value in a meaningful way. So mm -hmm. I've got to reprioritize my thinking when I just want to step in and do it. You know, my know. team can do it. I, I got to have that trust in them. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's really important. I something else that I've also learned along the ways that I'm that I'm sure that you can resonate with is hiring on the right people that are A players that you know that can follow through with the tasks that they have been given and they can give you 110%. One of my uh faults have been hiring one person to do like a multitude of different things, you know, just because, you know, a friend, I don't know, and they weren't really they weren't an A player specifically for the job that was needed to be done. And it kind of, you know, always ends up, would always end up being like a bad hire. Um, and that's something as, as a young leader that I have really learned and that I'm continuing to get better is, is really nailing down who it is that you need on your team their purpose and, and what they're going to be doing and, and finding those a players to help you. So you can let go of the things that, you know, Jamie doesn't need to be doing finances anymore. She doesn't need to be booking the travel anymore. She needs to do what Jamie needs to do and what she's really good at. And so I think yeah. that's important. when I think about hiring, you know, I think of two things. One, mm -hmm. I want to hire for my weaknesses, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm good. I like the strategy. I like the planning. I like the big picture, the brainstorming. That's like the creative side is, is really where I thrive. And so I need to hire people who are really good at detail, structure, creating, you know, taking something that, that I've, you know, thrown out on paper and actually putting it into something useful. Like I need people who can counter my strengths. Um, and so I always look for, you know, how, who can I hire that's going to account for my weaknesses. And the second thing is humility. I, you know, if, if I hire someone who's humble and, 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 and hungry, I guess is the, is the phrase a lot of people use um, in our world, we call it default aggressive. If they're humble, but they're willing to like learn and grow and figure it out and solve problems. That's who I want on my team. Cause I can, I can teach them anything they're going to figure it out. So those are the things that I look for. Um, and you're right. Hiring is critical. Like a, a bad hire, it impacts the entire team. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's a critical part of what, of what we have to do as leaders is hire right, yeah. right out the gate. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you one final question. Uh, what is the legacy that Jamie Crocken wants to leave behind for just like as a person, like with everything, with the business that you've helped build and that you continue to just thrive in. And then as a wife and as, as a mother, what is, what is the legacy that Jamie wants to leave behind? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, and I don't know that like the, I don't know that I have an aspiration to like have this big legacy as it attributes to my name. I actually, I, I struggle sometimes in that spotlight, mm -hmm. you know, of what we do here at Echelon Front. Obviously for me, the legacy is my kids and ensuring that I raise kids who are honest and work hard and, you know, accomplish things and help people and serve others. Like that's a critical part for me. And that's a really important part to who I am. But when I think of like my general mantra and what I really believe in, um, at the end of my brief that I give at this muster, I, I end with a slide that says mission first, team first. And when I think about my life and what I've really come to understand is important to me, whether it's at home or in business, is are the things I'm doing contributing to the mission 
And are the things that I'm doing supporting the team and helping the team? And if I'm not, if something I'm doing does not align with the mission or isn't helping the team, then I have to reevaluate where I'm at and what I'm doing because I want to put the team first. I want to put the mission first, especially here at Echelon Front. Our mission is, is really an incredible mission to be a part of. And so more than anything, I want my legacy to be that I had a, a small part in helping to accomplish that mission and helping people to realize that they can solve the challenges and problems they're facing because I know that leadership is really powerful and it starts with us, but the impact is, is so long lasting. So mission first, team first, um, and just helping people really believe in this principle of, of ownership and see the impact in their worlds. I love that. Where can people uh, find you and learn more about you and um, Echelon Front and all of that jazz? Yeah, our website has pretty much everything you need to know. Uh, extreme, uh, You can go to extremeownership.com, echelonfront.com. Um, you know, you can find everything there. We've got our whole team, not just myself, my other incredible colleagues that I get to work with, um, as well as a lot of those events we talked about today, the online academy and all the other stuff that we offer um, is right there on our, on our main page, echelonfront.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Reborn Podcast. I really enjoyed your company for the last hour. So thank you so much. Do you ever come to American Brew? Yeah, you you were like 15 minutes from me. I was That's almost so crazy. I know, it's really cool. I got that address. So I was like, ah, um, so close. we moved here a year and a half ago. So I oh. gotta come make the rounds there more yeah. often. I don't know that I've gotten out and about uh, to visit your location, but I will be hitting it up for sure. Yes, you definitely need to come by. We have the coffee, the whiskey, and um, the food. The food is really good. I'm a little biased, but uh, it's really everything here is so delicious. So well, you're gonna I'll make it a point. Uh, I'll bring my I'll bring my husband out. We'll do a date night over at American Brew and come check Absolutely. it out. I'm really excited to to get over there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I will look forward to definitely connecting with you offline and to uh, learning more about Women's Academy, because I think so many people, females like myself, just wanting to to grow and, you know, to be ruthless in this in this line of growing as um, just really good leaderships and, and business. So thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you to you too, Ashley. It was awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Reborn Podcast with Ashley Horner. Make sure if you have not yet subscribed, do that. And it helps me out a ton um, to give me a review if you loved the show. If there was anything that you got uh, from today's episode, please share that. Um, Share the link, post it on your story, on your Facebook, wherever you are listening to your um, to your podcast, um, grab that and share it on your social media. I would really appreciate that. Um, thank you again for listening to the reborn podcast from ironclad and I will see you guys next week. Bye.